Our Old Testament passage today picks up in 1 Chronicles chapter 6, beginning with verse 1. And again, we've got a lot of names. The sons of Levi, Gershon, Kohath, and Merari. Sons of Kohath, Armon, Izar, Hebron, and Uziel. The children of Armon, Aaron, Moses, and Miriam. All right, so now we begin to see the children of Aram, Moses, Aaron, and Miriam. Okay, so we see the father, the father of Aaron, Moses, and Miriam is Aaron, Amron, Amron. And the sons of Aaron, Nadab, Abihu, Eliezer, and Ithamar. Eliezer fathered Panias, and Panias fathered Abishua. Abishua fathered Bukui, Bukui fathered Uzi, Uzi fathered Zariah, Zariah fathered Meroath, Meroath fathered Amariah, Amariah fathered Ahitub, Ahitub fathered Zadok, Zadok fathered Ahamaaz, Ahamaaz fathered Azariah, Azariah fathered Johanan, Johanan fathered Azariah. It is he who served as priest in the house that Solomon built in Jerusalem. All right, so this is the first high priest in Solomon's temple. Just a little fast fact to learn. Azariah fathered Amariah, Amariah fathered Ahitub, Ahitub fathered Zadok, Zadok fathered Shalom, Shalom fathered Hilkiah, Hilkiah fathered Azariah, Azariah fathered Saraiah, Saraiah fathered Jehozadak. Jehozadak went into exile when the Lord sent to Judah and Jerusalem into exile by the hand of Nebuchadnezzar. Right, so here is the high priest at exile. The sons of Levi. All right, so now we've traced the high priest lineage up to the exile. Now the sons of Levi, Gershon, Kohath, Merai. These were the names of the sons of Gershom, Libni and Shemai. And the sons of Kohath, Amron, Izhar, Hebron, Uziel, the sons of Marai, Malhi, and Mushi. These are the clans of the Levites according to their fathers. Of Gershon, Libni his son, Jahath his son, Zima his son, Joah his son, Idu his son, Zerah his son, Jerathiah his son, the sons of Kohath, Aminadab his son, Korah his son, Asher his son, Elkanah his son, Ibashath his son, Asir his son. Tahath his son, Uriel his son, Uzziah his son, and Shaul his son, the sons of Elkanah, Amasiah, and Ahimoth, Elkiah his son, Zophai his son, Nahath his son, Eliab his son, Jerome his son, Elkanah his son, the sons of Samuel, Joel his firstborn, and his second, Abijah, the sons of Marai, Malhi, Libni his son, Shemai his son, Uzzah his son, Shemaiah his son, Hagath his son, and Asaiah his son. These are the men whom David put in charge. Now here's another fast fact. These are the men David put in charge of the service of song in the house of the Lord after the ark rested there. They ministered with song before the tabernacle of the tent of meeting until Solomon built the house of the Lord in Jerusalem and they performed their service according to their order. Now, I want you to notice a couple of things here. We've traced the first high priest in Solomon's temple. We've traced the last high priest in Solomon's temple. 
because it was destroyed shortly thereafter, after Nebuchadnezzar destroyed Jerusalem. Now we're going back again and we're dealing with the tribe of Levi. And he said, these are the men that David put in charge of the service of song in the house of the Lord. The service of song, David was determined to develop worship in God's house. Now, after the ark rested there, this is after David returned the ark to Jerusalem, or better said, brought the ark of the Lord to Jerusalem. Now notice, it was in the tabernacle of the tent of meeting. First the tabernacle was brought there, the ark was put inside the tabernacle, until Solomon built the house of the Lord. And these people performed their service according to their orders. But these were people who, their job was the music. This, this was their job. They were in charge of the service of song. You know, sometimes, you know, in, in the world today, people have put music down in God's house. They've removed the great choirs. They want to have a few professionals on the platform that sing secular stuff all week long and sing in bars and clubs and Shakey's pizzas. And they don't understand the sacredness of these people. But COP, we like full-time people. We have full-time music pastors. We have full-time Christian musicians. We do this for a reason. These people are in charge of the service of song in the house of the Lord. They shouldn't be out doing clubs all week and then try to come into God's house. They, they should have a heart that stays focused on the service of song in the house of the Lord. These are the men who served and their sons. Of the sons of the Kothites, Heman the singer. <laughs> Heman the singer the son of Jeol, son of Samuel, son of Elkanah, the son of Jeroam, the son of Elil, the son of Toha, son of Zuf, son of Elkanah, the son of Hath, the son of Amasiah, the son of Elkanah, the son of Joel, son of Azariah, son of Zephaniah, son of Tahath, son of Aser, son of Ibisath, son of Korah, the son of Esau, the son of Kohath, the son of Levi, the son of Israel. So we trace this guy, the singer, and we trace his ancestry. Here are the ancestors of the singer. Isn't that cool? He's, called, he's just called the singer, and here's his incredible ancestry. And his brother Asaph, who stood at his right hand, Asaph. Now remember, Asaph you see listed in Psalms. He's, he's one of the writers of the Psalms the son of Berechiah, the son of Shammai, the son of Milcah, the son of Baasiah, the son of Mashikah, the son of Eltni, the son of Zariah, the son of Adiah, the son of Ethan, the son of Zima, the son of Shammai, the son of Gath, the son of Gershom, the son of Levi. Now again, notice we're tracing them back to the son of Israel, the son of Levi. We're tracing back these, these men who stood to write and to lead the singing in God's house. On his left hand were their brothers, the sons of Merai, Ethan, the son of Kishi, the son of Abdi, the son of Maluk, the son of Hashbabiah, the son of Amaziah, the son of Hilkiah, the son of Amzi, the son of Bani, the son of Shemer, the son of Malhi, the son of Mushi, the son of Merari, the son of Levi. Again, we traced the lineage back 
all the way to Levi. These had to be Levites to minister in the house of God. And their brothers, the Levites, were appointed for all the service in the tabernacle of the house of the Lord. A tabernacle, because remember, temple not built yet. But Aaron and his sons made offerings on the altar of burnt offering and the altar of incense for all the work of the most holy place and for atonement and to make atonement for Israel according to all that Moses, the servant of God, had commanded. These are the sons of Aaron, Eleazar his son, Phinehas his son, Ashbua his son, Buki his son, Uzi his son, Zarahiah his son, Meraioth his son, Amariah his son, Ahitab his son, Zadok his son, Ahimaaz his son. These are their dwelling places according to their settlements within their borders, to the sons of Aaron of the clans of the Kohathites, for theirs was the first lot. To him he gave them Hebron in the land of Judah and its surrounding pasture lands. But the fields of the city and its villages he gave to Caleb, the son of Jathuni. To the sons of Aaron he gave the cities of refuge, Hebron, Libna with its pasture lands, Jatir, Eshtemoah with its pasture lands, Helan with its pasture lands, Debir with its pasture lands, Ashan with its pasture lands, Bashemesh with its pasture lands. And from the tribe of Benjamin, Gibeon, Geba with its pasture lands, Alimath with its pasture lands, Anathoth with its pasture lands, all their cities throughout their clans were 13. All right, so they had 13 cities. To the rest of the Kohathites were given by Lot, out of the clan of the tribe, out of the half-tribe, the half-tribe of Manasseh, ten cities. To the Gershomites, according to their clans, were lotted thirteen cities out of the tribes of Issachar, Asher, Naphtali, and Manasseh in Bashan. To the Marathites, according to their clans, were lotted twelve cities, out of the tribes of Reuben, Gad, and Zebulun. So all the people of Israel gave the Levites the cities with their pasture lands. They gave out by lot out of the tribes of Judah, Simeon, Benjamin, these cities that are mentioned by name. And some of the clans of the sons of Kohath had cities of their territory out of the tribe of Ephraim. They were given the cities of refuge, Shechem with his pasture lands in the hill country of Ephraim, Gezer with his pasture lands, Jokmaam with his pasture lands, Beth Horon with his pasture lands, Ajalon with his pasture lands, Gath Ramon with his pasture lands, and out of the half-tribe of Manasseh, Anner with his pasture lands, Beliam with his pasture lands, for the rest of the clans of the Kohathites. To the Gershomites were given out of the clans of the half-tribe of Manasseh, Golan in Bashan with his pasture lands, and Ashtoroth with his pasture lands, and out of the tribe of Issachar, Kadesh with his pasture lands, Dabarath with his pasture lands, Ramoth with his pasture lands, Anim with his pasture lands, out of the tribe of Asher, Mashal with his pasture lands, Abdon with his pasture lands, Hukot with his pasture lands, Rehob with his pasture lands, and out of the tribe of Naphtali, Kedish in Galilee with his pasture lands, Haman with his pasture lands, Kiriathim with his pasture lands, to the rest of the Merites were lauded out of the tribe of Zebulun. Rimono with his pasture lands, Tabor with his pasture lands, and beyond the Jordan of Jericho, on the east side of the Jordan, out of the tribe of Reuben, Bezer in the wilderness with his pasture, hand, pasture lands, Jazah with his pasture lands, Kedemoth with his pasture lands, Mephaath with his pasture lands, and out of the tribe of Gad, Ramoth in Gilead with his pasture lands, Mahanim with his pasture lands, Heshbon with his pasture lands, and Jazer with his pasture lands. 
In other words, the Levites had homes of their own to live in and pasture lands for their flocks to feed their families and care for their families with. God blessed the Levites and God blessed the priesthood family of Aaron. God blesses pastors. Amen? All right, let's open up our hearts and spend some more time in worship.
Our New Testament passage today picks up in Acts chapter 24, beginning with verse 22. Paul is spending two years in a, not a prison, but he was under house arrest in, in the palace there in Caesarea. You know, a golden cage is still a cage, but it was a nice place for Paul to finally have a little bit of what I would call a forced rest. He's brought constantly before people on trial. The story picks up in verse 22. But Felix, he's the Roman governor there, having a more accurate knowledge of the way. Okay? So Felix knew all about Jesus and the church. He knew all about this. These people came down, demanded Jesus' death, but he had a rather accurate knowledge of the way. All right, so Christianity was well known to the Roman authorities. He put them off, this referring to the Jewish leaders who came down demanding Paul's death. He put them off saying, when Lysias, the tribune, comes down, I, I will decide your case. Then he gave orders to the centurion that Paul should be kept in custody, but have some liberty, and that none of his friends should be prevented from attending to his needs. So, all right, so we have two years of semi-house arrest, His friends could provide for his needs. So th this is not completely unpleasant, all right? This is, not like, this is not like the prison cell of Philippi, okay? After some days, Felix came with his wife, Drusilla, who was Jewish. And he sent for Paul and heard him speak about faith in Jesus Christ. Here's Paul's message. <laughs> he didn't preach against people who were being mean to him. He preached about faith in Jesus Christ. He could have unloaded about all these people in Jerusalem that have been so mean to him. But instead he preached about faith in Jesus Christ. Paul stayed on message in the midst of persecution. And he reasoned about righteousness, self-control, and coming judgment. All right, so these three things... Three parts of the gospel message. Righteousness is part of the gospel message. Self-control is part of the gospel message. The coming judgment is part of the gospel message. Felix was alarmed and said, go away for the present. When I get an opportunity, I'll, I'll summon you. Now, you know, people love to hear about faith in Jesus, but they don't want to hear about righteousness, self-control, and coming judgment. So this is a common response to the whole message. If you just talk about faith in Jesus, oh, everybody wants to believe in Jesus, until you start talking about righteousness, self-control, coming judgment. At that time, and here's a, here's a bottom truth, he hoped that money would be given him by Paul. So, he often sent for him and conversed with him, looking for a bribe. Now, I want you to notice something here. When two years elapsed, 
Paul knew the way out was a bribe. Paul did not bribe. Even though he knew this would not be a bribe for injustice, it would actually be a bribe for justice. Paul knew this guy was looking for a bribe, but he never offered the bribe. Now, why would this guy look for a bribe? The big offering. Paul brought to Jerusalem. He said, this guy's loaded. I'm going to sit around here and he'll give me some money and I'll let him go. Didn't work. Felix was succeeded by Portius Festus and desiring to do the Jews a favor, Felix let Paul in prison. All right, so Paul stayed in prison. Or really, let's, let's just say stayed under arrest because really it's not prison. Stayed under arrest as a political favor. Chapter 25, verse 1. Now three days after Festus had arrived in the province, he went up to Jerusalem from Caesarea. And the chief priests and principal men of the Jews laid out their case against Paul, and they urged him. Now notice, two years. Still, Number one issue for Jewish leaders, Paul. Wow. Two years, and he's still the number one issue in their mind. Hatred never dissipates. I know people like to think, ah, oh, time heals all wounds. No, no, hatred never dissipates. Never forget that. Asking as a favor against Paul that he summon him to Jerusalem because they were planning to ambush to kill him on the way. Festus replied that Paul was being kept in Caesarea and that he himself intended to go there shortly. So he said, let the men of authority among you come down with me and if there's anything wrong about the man, let them bring charges against him. After he stayed among them not more than eight or ten days, he went to Caesarea. The next day he took his seat on the tribunal and ordered Paul to be brought. When he arrived, the Jews who had come down from Jerusalem stood around him, bringing many and serious charges against him that they could not prove. All right? Slander is unproven. See, one of the things you have to learn, brothers and sisters, people can say whatever lies they want to say, but they can't prove lies. Yeah, that you can't prove a lie. And it's amazing when people get hatred in their hearts, all the slander they like to throw around. Paul argued in his defense, neither against the law of the Jews nor against the temple, nor against Caesar have I committed any offense. But Festus, wishing to do the Jews a favor, all right? We have the same truth again. We have political favors. said to Paul, Do you wish to go up to Jerusalem and there be tried on these charges before me? And notice, go up to Jerusalem. Paul said, I'm standing before Caesar's tribunal where I ought to be tried. To the Jews I have done no wrong, as you yourself know very well. He said, Hey, dude, you know this. Now, why did Paul not willing to go? Why? Because he knew if he went there, they would assassinate him. 
death threats. The reason they'd taken him out of Jerusalem is because these guys had sworn oaths to kill him. He said, if then I'm a wrongdoer and have committed anything for which I deserve to die, I do not seek to escape death. But if there is nothing to their charges against me, no one can give me up to them. I appeal to Caesar. This was his right as a Roman citizen. Paul used the law as a shield. Paul used the law as a shield against corruption and slander. That's how he used the law. Then Festus, when he conferred with his council, answered, To Caesar you have appealed. To Caesar you shall go. In other words, he has no right to overrule this appeal. Tremendous truths here, brothers and sisters. Paul was a very, very wise man. All right, let's open up our hearts now and have a little wisdom before we close out today. Our wisdom from Proverbs today picks up in Proverbs chapter 1, beginning with verse 24. Because I called, you refused to listen. I stretched out my hand, no one has heeded. Okay, you've ignored God. Because you have ignored all my counsel and would have none of my reproof. All right, so four ways we ignore God. He said, I will laugh at your calamity. I will mock when terror strikes you down. Now, now, brothers and sisters, this is one of those question marks that I have in my Bibles. God said, when you ignore me, I'm going to ignore you. Now, I've watched this happen in people's lives. I've watched this happen in people's lives when they would not listen to God when they were just doubling down on their stubborn pride. And then calamity comes, terror comes, and they cry out to God and God says, you ignored me, now I'm going to ignore you. When terror strikes you like a storm, when your calamity comes like a whirlwind, when distress and anguish come upon you, then they will call upon me. Okay, hey, finally you decided to pray but I will not answer. They will seek me diligently, but will not find me. This is sad. This is sad on steroids. God says, I kept calling to you. You didn't want anything to do with me. I kept reaching out to you. You wanted nothing to do with me. I kept trying to tell you what to do, and you wouldn't have anything to do with me. I kept trying to correct you, and you had nothing to do with me. And now in a time of trouble, now you pray and now you seek me diligently? He said, it doesn't work like that. You reap what you have sown. Now, brothers and sisters, if I'm talking to you today and you have ignored God, you, you have pushed God away from your life, and now in your distress you have cried out and he doesn't seem to be answering, do you know what I would tell you to do? <laughs> There's one prayer that God always answers. The cry of mercy. If this is you today, 
I would cry out to God for mercy. Cry out to God for mercy. Cry out to God for mercy. Because he is a God whose mercy is new every morning. Now, if I've been talking to you today, and this is you, may I beg you, cry out to God for mercy. We'll see you tonight. The special with Brother John. We'll see you then.